hello everyone and welcome to this episode of the Jason Wright Show, where the motto is to improve always in all ways. So kind of a big uh, milestone in the old Wright house this past weekend. Our oldest, Rylan, graduated from the University of Alabama, Roll Tide. And I got to tell you, as a parent, I I told someone it's kind of the equivalent of paying off a house in four years. It's, it's really crazy. Um, it's, uh, I learned a lot from the experience of being a parent of a child in college saving for it. And I talk about that in the Vitruvian letter, but, uh, and that kind of brings up today's episode. So I, um, in this most recent issue of the Vitruvian letter, and if you have never subscribed or if you haven't subscribed yet, you can do so at jasonrightnow.com. It's free. It does not, uh, even though one of my uh, friends uh, uh, deemed it too spammy, uh, it's kind of weird because I don't sell anything in the Vitruvian letter. It's just kind of a repository of different things I'm doing to improve as a human being, to try to optimize my health, my mind, try to be a better dad, better husband. And I'm constantly in search of that 1% per day improvement. And in this particular issue, I answered a question that um, took me into some waters that may prove uh, some, I don't know, may, may cause some unsubscribes, but so far they haven't. It's been interesting. I thought when I answered this question, and and so I answered the question in the letter. I could have gone directly offline and answered this question. If you submit me a question through the Vitruvian letter, what I'll do is I'll go through different questions. And I'll find one that I think can be universally universally beneficial to the readership. I kind of have an idea of who reads the Vitruvian letter. Some of you are just friends of mine, and that's how you keep up with me. And I think that's very kind. Uh, But for the majority, it's people that I've never heard of. I don't know you personally. But obviously, I, I make it pretty, I try my best to be as transparent as possible as to who I am, what I believe in. Uh, I try to, I don't know, I, I just, I, I, I presume that I'm not that unique. And I try to create a newsletter that I would want to read. That's the best way to describe it. And sometimes I get questions that I'm like, eh, I can just go directly and answer this person, you know, via email or whatever. But, it, but sometimes, and often I try to include one question that I receive and, and answer it in the Vitruvian letter because I think it'll, it's universally beneficial to the readership. Well, I received a question this week that I answered. I thought, hmm, do I really want to go here in the Vitruvian letter? And there's a couple of reasons why I answered it. One is because I, th- I thought it was a very important question for me personally. And I thought it was a great way to, to try my best to maintain a principle that I have, which is to never be phony to you, my audience, or to my readership. And a lot of those, there's a lot of overlap there, as you might imagine. A lot of you listening, you are subscribers to the Vitruvian Letter. And so I answered this question as best I could. And I thought what I would do today is I would come on and answer the question for the the audience, uh, you guys, because a lot of you don't subscribe. And a lot of you are showing up to the Jason Wright Show for the very first time. Maybe you've seen some social media, my, my social media um, is starting to kind of tick up a little bit. 
the downloads of this podcast are really uh, blowing up. So that's, and let me tell you what that's like. So <laughs> a lot of you listening, you think, well, isn't that the idea? There's something that happens when all of a sudden people start listening to you. Like, and I know that some people are, they, they try to get attention for attention's sake. Like the main goal is to get likes, to get downloads, to somehow rise to some sort of prominence, I guess you would say. And whether you believe me or not, that's not why I do this. If I had my way about it, if, and I think this is kind of why God has me in the position he has me in. If I were just filthy rich, I mean, money were no object. It's, it was not a concern anymore. And I could do anything. It would probably be to go off the grid somewhere in the mountains and spend my days reading, writing, not caring if anyone ever read what I wrote, just to exercise my mind and get some thoughts on paper and exercising. And that is truly that to me, that's a, that would, that would be heaven on earth. But a lot of what I do with producing all this content, those of you who know me well, know this to be true. You're not always, you don't always like the things you're good at. I can string a set of sentences together relatively well, put me in a room with five people or 5,000 people doesn't matter. I, I, I like to speak. Uh, it's fun. And it's not because I like to hear myself talk. I don't do this podcast because I like to hear myself talk. As a matter of fact, if you talk to me, I'm probably the least, the, the, the topic I will want to talk about least is myself. I don't like to talk about myself. Um, but I just think that God has me here to you to, to create this platform. And, I'm, and, 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 I, and I hate to keep saying God and you'll, you'll kind of get it here in a minute when I answer this question that I'm going to answer today that came through the Vitruvian letter. Um, but this is something that is, I guess I'm kind of wandering here. I'll land this plane. What I'm trying to say is as the listenership grows, I feel a greater sense of responsibility. Does that make sense? It's not like, oh yes. I mean, I, I do. I, I look, I show, I tell Jimlin the numbers every day uh, for the podcast downloads. And I go, I don't, I just, I can't imagine that these, these people are hearing my voice. And with that comes this like, Ooh. You got to, to me, I don't, I just don't take it haphazardly, not because anything I say is that important, but if I'm going to have as my motto to improve always and always with that comes a sense, I think of standard for myself that I should pursue and display. Is that making sense? Probably just rambling. You guys are probably like, come on, get to this question you're talking about. Just get to the show. I just tuned in because I got an alert that there was a new show and you got about five more seconds before I listen to Joe Rogan or somebody that's a real podcaster. So that being the case, respecting your time, let's get right to this question. I just want to tell you the downloads are improving. And I don't say it braggadociously. I say it with that comes more responsibility. And I'm trying to use this show for good. And hey, I'm always listening. I'm always open for ideas on ways to improve upon that. So let me know if um, there's something you want to hear. So I received this question and I guess I'll probably title this episode something to kind of give away what this is going to be about. And by the way, this wasn't the only thing that was in the Vitruvian letter. It was a pretty jam-packed uh, issue of the Vitruvian letter. And so if you don't subscribe, I, you know, here's a shameless plug for the Vitruvian letter. I think you will, you would really enjoy it. Um, 
it's uh, not because I ride it, but because I look, take advantage of the fact that I'm a geek. I'm constantly trying to read and listen to and understand uh, different topics again, with regard to mindfulness, health, wellness, uh, spirituality, just all these different things. And whenever something piques my attention, then I really dive in. And then the, the Vitruvian letter kind of helps me flush out those thoughts. It, it helps me. And, and so I never write the Vitruvian letter as like, Hey, I'm the expert take on this newsletter and learn from me. It's more of like, Hey, I would love to learn more about this topic and I'm writing and I think you'll like it too. I think this is cool. Let's, let's dive into this topic together. Let me, let me share with you what I've learned. I've described it before as kind of like the, you know, when a cat brings a dead animal to the back door, back door to show its owner. That's kind of the way I am with the Vitruvian letter. Those are my little, my little pieces, my little dead animals that I go out and scour and I bring to you to the, to your back door, uh, via your inbox and say, Hey, check out what I found. Look what I've learned. What do you think about this? So that's what the Vitruvian letter is. So I got this question and it's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. And just, um, the question was, this was in the, this week's edition of the Vitruvian letter mailbag. Do you believe in God? If so, why? Who is Jesus? Who? And look, if I were overzealous and dogmatic, I would just be able to pop off some answer. And I would just start thumping my Bible where you could hear it all over, right? But getting this question, like some of you right now that are listening to this, you're probably like, oh gosh, do I even want to listen to what this guy has to say? I get it. I understand. That's what you got to understand. I, I'm, I'm not a overly zealous guy. Um, I'm not dogmatic. And I, I, I feel you. And that's kind of the way I wanted to answer this question. I wanted to answer it in such a way that I left no room for doubt in what I believe, while at the same time being extremely sensitive and respectful to those who absolutely reject what I believe. And that is a, you know, it, it's difficult, but at the same time, it's also very freeing because I think, and this was my hope, was for people who don't believe as I do, people who are questioning, that they would go, hmm, still don't believe what that guy's saying. I don't believe in this God, Jesus, and all that stuff, rising from the dead and all that. But at least I don't have to guess anymore where Jason stands. I don't agree with him, but at least he's honest with me. And I think that's what most people like. I, I think that, I remember whenever I was on city council, I would go to, I'd do a lot of town halls. I love doing town halls. And I loved it whenever someone would stand up and disagree with me. And one, and, the natural inkling, I don't care if it's something as small as being a little bitty city councilman in Tyler, Texas, you know, population 100,000, or the President of the United States, congressman or senator, there's this visceral want to tell a person what you know they want to hear, especially as an elected official, because you, 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 if you're in it for the right reasons, you really desire to help them. And I remember um, I used to be that way. Someone would ask me a question, and I knew I didn't agree with them. I knew I was about to, and it's like, well, do I sugarcoat this and, but, and beat around the bush? And here's what I found was the, the most direct way and always, always, 100% of the time, without fail, ended well, was whenever I would, in a town hall, someone would 
ask me a question or reject something that I had said. And I would go, okay, well, let me tell you something. I don't agree with you. And if you stick around long enough, there's probably going to be several other things that we disagree upon, but you're going to leave here knowing exactly what I believe and where I stand. You won't have to guess. And I think that's how most people are. I think most people, as long as they just know who you are, they don't have to guess, then it saves them from the disappointment of down the road going, oh my gosh, you're a completely different person than what I thought. That's what happens in uh, whenever people are unfaithful, right? A big part of that, I think, is going, oh my God, you are not the person I thought you were. And you just feel so duped. You feel so, betra- the, the, the betrayal just consumes you. And, and so in answering this question, it was not to proselytize the readers of the Vitruvian letter. It was to just give everyone a clear picture of who I am. And so if, and, and with the risk of going, you know, a lot of people, they may read this and go, oh, I'm out on that guy. I thought I believed and I thought I liked what he had to say. And I thought I could trust what he has to say, but I'm not listening to his podcast. I'm not, I'm, I'm out on this, the Vitruvian letter. I'm moving on. That's the risk. And for the sake of being transparent and authentic, you know, I took the risk. That, that, so again, I know I have prefaced this way too much, and I've probably made this whole thing bigger in my mind than it really is. But nevertheless, here's how I tried to answer the question of, do you believe in God? And if so, why? And who is Jesus? So, and I'm reading now what I wrote in the Vitruvian letter. And some of you who have read it in the Vitruvian letter, I'm going to expound a bit on it. So just, uh, so you're, you're going to get to hear it twice, or you're going to hear it for the first time. You've already read it, but I'm also going to expound a little bit on my thoughts. Wow. That's a biggie. First, thank you for asking. That's a hundred mile, mile per hour fastball question. A lot of people don't have the courage to ask. So thanks. This one would be easy to answer offline, but I think that would be cowardly of me. So here goes. All right. Deep breath. So do I believe in God? Yes, I do. To be completely clear and transparent, when I say I believe in God, this is to say I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he died on the cross to forgive me of my sins. I don't want to hide the ball or be timid, not because I'm trying to hit you over the head with a Jesus stick. I just want to be transparent with you, all of my readers. I never want to be a phony. Cool? Okay, here we go. I can see some of you already loosening up your unsubscribe finger, but please hear me out before you go. I love you, and I'll say the same thing to some of you. I know some of you are already about to move over to Tim Ferriss, Peter Tia, Joe Rogan, The Minimalist, Ben Greenfield. Well, if you go to Ben Greenfield, you might hear some of the same things, so you might not want to go there. Um, but, but just stick with me, please. Just, just give, just give me, I'm not trying to proselyze. I'm not trying to just, 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 just see what you think and respond. Shoot me an email, Jason at texttitans.com. Let me hear what you have to say. So, okay. So I ended with, I love you. All right. And I do, I love you. So why? That's actually a harder question than one might realize. As a Christian, I think a lot of us are a little flippant with our answer to this question. We don't take the time to stop process, and really reflect on the weight of it. I personally think God is real because I can't seem to believe otherwise, even in moments of desperation, frustration, anger, sadness, helplessness, 
you name it. I still don't doubt his existence. I think this comes from him. I think so. I think his Holy Spirit dwells within me. Now, I also included a link that kind of describes this, that, that describes this first. What is this thing, the Holy Spirit? Because some of you are like, wait, what? And I get to that. In John 14, 16 through 30, it says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The helper is the spirit of truth. The people of the world cannot accept him because they don't see him or know him, right? We hear people like some of you, you hear me talk about the Holy Spirit, and you go, well, I can't see it. I can't feel it. You're nuts, Jason, but all right. So the Bible reads, look, this is going to happen. People aren't going to know. All right, so I'm continuing. But you know him. He lives with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you all alone like orphans. I will come back to you. In a very short time, the people in the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. You will live because I live. On that day, you will know that I am the Father. You will know that you are in me, and I am in you. And it it goes on, and I have a link to the full scripture, but the bottom line is this. It's not something that's conscious for me. No matter what decision I've ever, what situation I've ever been in, I have been, folks, and I don't want to go into it because it can sound like a sob story, but trust me, I have understood hurt and betrayal and um, just just pain and heartache, the likes of which some of you would go, whoa. I mean, I have. So I, I, I've been there. I have not led what you would call a charmed life, all right? I've had a great life. And I don't complain. I love every ounce of it. I wouldn't change any of it. I really wouldn't. Even the scars and the hurt and the pain. But no matter how bad it was, there was something in me that never doubted the existence of God. As a matter of fact, during one of my most, my deepest, darkest valleys of life, when anyone else or would per- be perfectly understanding of me saying, shaking my fist at God, instead, I just, I remember lying in bed one night after this horrible incident had happened in my life. I'd been completely betrayed. I was, I mean, it was awful. And I just laid there and it had gone on for a long time. And I finally just said, God, I just don't understand why. I never doubted he was there. He was there. And I wasn't yelling or anything. I just, I just don't understand why, God, why I had to go through that. And so I have been tested on this, but there was nothing I could do to deny his existence. So I'll continue. For the non-believer, I realize this sounds nuts. Holy Spirit, what? I get it. And I do, folks. I do. I get it. I understand your skepticism. Let me explain. I love watching Christopher Hitchens' debates. And if those of you, well, for those of you who don't know who Hitchens is, rather was, He was one of the most famous atheist intellectuals of the 21st century. He had a sharp wit, quick tongue, tongue, amazing voice, brilliant mind, and despised religion in all its forms. Oh, and he was perfectly British, which I love. I remember once listening to him and being sympathetic to almost every argument he made as to why he refused to believe in God, particularly in in the Christian God and his son, Jesus. However, No matter how sound his arguments were, they didn't move me an inch in my belief. Why? I think the Holy Spirit wouldn't allow it. That's all I can say. It's like if you started telling me 2 plus 2 equals 5, I couldn't believe it. 
even if my life depended on it. It's just that real to me. Secondly, I just don't believe there's a better explanation. I believe we are too complex and miraculous as humans to not be intelligently designed. Who is Jesus? I think Jesus is God incarnate. God is bigger than any one human. But I think of it like this, and here's a, here's a disclaimer that I wrote. Fair warning, this is not an educated or repeated analogy. This is Jason Wright in real time trying to give this illustration so there's a good chance it falls on its face completely. But here goes, and I'll say the same thing to you folks. I don't know if I have this right. I'm not saying this with, again, overzealously, dogmatically. I'm just telling you how, I've, how I reconcile this in my mind, okay? Close your eyes. And I would ask you, if you're listening and you're not driving, close your eyes. Imagine your physical body doesn't exist. All that exists is your consciousness. Now picture in your mind what you look like. Think of certain marks on your body that you know are there. What color are your eyes? Your hair? Can you picture yourself? Okay. Well, now, let's say you never existed physically, only in the spiritual sense. However, you decided to manifest yourself into a physical creature, and you just happened to be God. Well, I think this is what God did. He manifested himself in human form, which was Jesus. Jesus came to give us an example of God's nature. He wanted to show us who he is. He also wanted to show us how much he loves us by sacrificing his physical creation of himself. That seems harsh. It's one of the things Hitchens just never could get over. However, he rose again. How could he have shown that all, shown that all of us have the power of eternal life as well as his unyielding love any other way? He showed us once and for all he loves us so much that he sacrificed his son. And then I, I've included a scripture here. I have told you these things so that, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world, John 16, 33. Now here's the thing about this you have to understand. So for someone like Hitchens, you look at this and you go, and this is me talking now, I'm not quoting for a moment. You look at this as Hitchens, you think, my God, what a horrible, malicious tyrant that he would supposedly take his only son that he loved like even more than you and I love our own children and would allow him to be crucified, this most horrid form of execution. And he would stand by and watch and not even intervene, leave him lonely crying out to him and still wouldn't intervene. But here's the thing that God knew that in the moment even it, it seemed Jesus, who was God incarnate, might not know. Because remember, he gave him his own mind, although that mind was of God. It was, it was fully in sync with him. Jesus said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? So we, but God knew how the story ended. He knew that Jesus would take on all this pain and all this suffering, all this torture, but he also knew that eventually he'd be able to say, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. He knew that he knew what was going to happen. And so it's kind of like, I guess a real easy, simple way to describe it is 
when we let our own children go through pain because we know that they're going to survive. They're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You say, well, this is was more than anything I'd ever let my child go through. Okay, well, that's because you're not saving the world. You're not saving all of mankind from sin. And you didn't design it. Neither did I. Why did he do all this? I'm reading again. The crucifixion of Christ was an atonement for our sins. It's so I can one day be in heaven with God after this physical life is completed. I'm perfectly imperfect, just the way he made me. He made me so that the only way I could be with him forever is by depending on his sacrifice. This way, I don't live my, a life of misery trying to be perfect. I don't have to. He made up for my imperfections on the cross. All I have to do is love him. So let me explain this just a little bit. A lot of people think that if you decide to become a Christian, that you give your life to Christ, that means, okay, <laughs> the, Bap- the Southern Baptist version that I grew up in, that means, oh gosh, no cussing, no drinking, no dancing. You know, it's, a, it's just all of a sudden it's this rule book you have to follow. Everything that you thought was fun is gone, no more. And nothing could be further from the truth. Others think that, well, once saved, always saved, party on. I can do whatever I want. I got my ticket to heaven because I asked Jesus into my heart, got baptized, and boom, here we go. A lot of people think that. Here is the way I understand the Word of God. Again, Jason Wright, real time, doing his best, and this is how I live. I'm not perfect, and thank God I'm not, because then I would be on par with God, and I'm not God, okay? So I'm I'm not perfect. I'm perfectly imperfect. He made me perfect the way in his idea of perfection was to make me imperfect. And he also doesn't require perfection of me because he knows I will fail and be miserable. So he's, But then there comes a point in time where, and I, I started to include this scripture, but I didn't, where the Apostle Paul talks about working out your salvation, and a lot of people will take that, and they will think that it means that, okay, now I'm, I'm a Christian, I've been saved, now I have to work, I hear the word work, I have to work it out, I have to do good works. When in reality, what he is saying is, now it's like, imagine I gave you, for a moment. Imagine I gave you $10 million. Okay, I just came to you and said, here, here's 10 million bucks. And I said, now, with there's some things I want you to do with the 10 million. There are no laws. There's no, there's no rules. There's no strings attached, okay? Uh, but I, I'm giving you the 10,000, no strings attached. But I really would like to just, now that you've got your 10 million, so you never have to worry about money again. I want to get to know you. I want to be friends. I want to teach you some things. I want to show you some things that can make your life more meaningful and more abundant than that 10 million ever will. And if you're willing, I'm here and I'll teach you. But go away, there's 10 million. Now you may just say, well, Jason, appreciate it. Peace out. I'll read your Vitruvian letter every once in a while. I'll, I'll listen to your podcast, but I got 10 million bucks, so peace out. I'm, and, I, and I say, okay, no, no worries. But if you need me, I'm here. Now, a lot of people take that 10 million, and just because they've got $10 million, their child 
will still get diagnosed with leukemia. Their wife will still have an affair. Their parents will still not live up to their expectations. Their boss will still fire them for unjust cause. And then you may remember, oh, well, huh. Well, Jason had 10 million bucks he just gave me away, and he told me I, he, he wanted a relationship. I'm going to go ask Jason what I should do. And you come to me and go, hey, Jason, I don't know if you can help with this problem. And we talk it out, and, and you feel a little better, and I kind of navigate you through that process. And then you run away, and you go keep spending your 10 million. You've got some tools and tips, and you call me every once in a while. We become, we, we, we talk every once in a while, right? You call me, and you feel good, but then all of a sudden, the pain, the sting of, Whatever the valley you have to go through, it kind of wears off. And then you think about calling me, but you're feeling good and things come up. Then we don't talk for a while. Then all of a sudden, tragedy occurs again. You make a mistake. You have betrayed somebody. You're feeling bad. You're hurt. And all of a sudden, you don't know what to do, but you go, hmm, maybe I'll call, maybe Jason. Maybe he'll help me. Call me up and I'm, hey, what's up? Well, you're not going to believe what I did. Oh, I bet I can. And, and we talk it out, and all of a sudden we become buddies again. Still got your 10 million, still living your life. But somewhere along the way, you realize that the 10 million's there, you get all the crap you want, but bad things, life just keeps happening, and you just keep finding yourself not knowing what to deal, how to deal with it. And I keep calling you. Everyone just checking in. Hey, you doing good? You doing all right? Okay. Let me know if there's anything I can do for you. And then all of a sudden, something occurs to you that you're like, hmm, maybe I should nurture this friendship with Jason a little more. Maybe I should learn what he has to say about this. And as we talk, before the bad things happen, they start almost becoming hypotheticals. You go, well, you know, Jason, what if this happens? What should I do? And I'm able to tell you, now this is hypothetical, right? It's not reality. So in hypothetical Jason world, I'm really wise and smart. And so I'm able to give you, I'm able to just very simply tell you some stories about, well, this is, this happened to this one guy and put yourself in his situation. And maybe you can understand it and you go, okay. And then all of a sudden you, because you start to know me and I gain trust, I gain your trust and you start to realize that, man, Jason kind of knows what he's talking about. So all these things that you could, you're still free to do. I gave you the 10 million bucks. There's no strings attached. You will never lose the 10 million bucks. I'm never going to take it back. And I told you that. And you're never going to have to perform for me. I, I'm never going to ask you to do something for the 10 million bucks once you get it. It's yours. But you will always have the opportunity to come to me. And all I ask, I don't demand, but what I would ask is, just stay in relation. Just I want to be your. I want to know you, because see, here's what you don't understand. I gave you the ten thousand, the ten million. If you notice, there's, there were no strings attached, and here's the reason why: it's because ultimately, I gave it to you just because I love you. I care about you. I truly, truly care about you, and because I and I don't care about you because of anything you've done because you've never done anything for me. You did nothing to deserve the ten million bucks. There's nothing you could have done because what you don't understand is the 10 million bucks for me is like half a half a half a fraction of a penny to me. I got all the money I need. That 10 million meant nothing to me. There's, there's plenty more where that came from. But I'm giving it to you as kind of a understanding of you can't be 
good enough to deserve it. You didn't do anything to deserve it. You know that. Remember when I gave it to you? And by the way, you've done some crappy stuff since I gave it to you. And I'm not asking for it back. There's nothing you can do to lose it. So that is, and that's an illustration that was not in the Petruvian letter. And I just kind of literally worked that out in my head. And I hope that illustration, and again, those of you who are, who are theologians that may listen to this, those of you who might be ministers, you hear this, and I will, I'll get to my, my take on, on, on what you probably think of some of these explanations, but just understand that's what it's like, okay? I'm perfectly imperfect just the way he made me. He made me so that the only way I could be with him forever is by depending on his sacrifice. This way, I don't live life of misery trying to be perfect. I don't have to. He made up for my imperfections on the cross. All I have to do is love him. Someone, someone once said, we can never be good enough to deserve God's love, nor bad enough to lose it. And that is hard for us humans, who, especially who, are, who live in a meritocracy, and, and confessing. I'm a performer, and I'm a judger of those who don't live up to my standards. How dare they be rewarded when I've done so much more? That's not God's economy. That's not the way he designed our relationship with him. You cannot be good enough to deserve your salvation, nor I. But we can't be bad enough to lose it. I like that. How do I show him love? I obey him. Do I, do I obey him because I think he might spite me if I don't? Do I think being good will get me into heaven? No. Do I often fail to obey him? Oh, heck yes. I obey because I believe he's God. He designed this thing we call life. While I stray like a rebellious sheep all the time, something in me always returns to the notion that his ways are best. He created this life I'm living. If I will just stay with him and try to follow his teachings, I will have more success as a human. I don't mean monetary success or material success, but rather meaning, purpose, and contentment, and a peace that surpasses all understanding. And that's a quote from the Apostle Paul from Scripture. You know what makes for a really good story? You find a character, make everyone fall in love with him, and then proceed to beat the hell out of him. Some movie producer once said that. Well, that's what God did with Jesus. Jesus lived the hero's journey in living color stained with blood. The only way God could show us he understands our pain and suffering was to create a physical version of himself, which was Jesus, and take on the pain. Yes, he felt the cat of nine tails. He felt the nails in his hands and feet. He felt the choking and gasping of his breath. He felt it all. Now, here's the question you might be asking. So why did he make it that way? Why aren't all of us just in heaven now? My answer? I don't know. I just don't know. I guess because that would just make us all, all little pets of his. And that we are not. We are much more than that. And then I'll link to a scripture that reads, we are more than conquerors. Because of the Holy Spirit, I don't have to know. It's just as real to me as the color of the sky. If I had all the answers, I'd be on par with God, which I most certainly am not. I hope this answer gave you some hint of an explanation. I fully confess, and I confess to you, the listener, I fully confess to its imperfections. To my Christian readers, I ask for grace. 
I know you find I know you will find all sorts of fault in my answers. And and no one does Christian criticism as well as fellow Christians. Trust me on that one. For my readers who are followers of other faiths, agnostics, atheists, or something I don't even know about, I love you. God is love. I can't call myself a Christian and not love those who hate me, disagree with me, or believe differently than me. It's like oil and water. Hate and Christianity just don't mix. Thanks for the question. Keep them coming. So there you have it. That's, um, that was the best, that was my best attempt at, at answering this question of, um, do I believe in God? Why? And who's Jesus? And so, you know, the, this idea of improve all ways in all ways takes many different shapes and forms. And I want to improve always and always mentally, physically. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I'm hesitant to even say spiritually because I know that my idea of improving spiritually may be very different than some of the listeners of this show, the readers of the Vitruvian Letter, the readers of you know, the Stone Chiseler, my most recent book, whatever. But for me, I have to apply and somewhat customize this improve always and always to meet my standards for myself. And as a Christian, I have to be willing to be transparent and open with you, even if it means you rejecting me forever. I have to be loving, even if it means you spit in my face. It means that no matter how bad you wrong me, I must forgive you quickly. Um, and so this was just kind of a moment for me to improve my spirituality in all ways, I suppose. So thank you for, for those of you who that really just, it caused a stir in you that either pissed you off, made you feel anger, hate, or like, God, why did I even sit through that garbage? Just know this, no matter what, I love you. I may not know you, but you're my fellow man. You're my neighbor. And, you know, God tells us to love love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And so sometimes that means telling your neighbor things they don't want to hear. But doing it seasoned with salt, as I think Paul said that, let your words be seasoned with salt. And so I, that's what I tried to do. When I tried to present this to you guys, I wanted to just put just enough salt on there to enhance the taste, not so much that it made you go, oh my gosh, and dried your mouth saying, that's too salty. Uh, but at the same time, I want you to taste it. I didn't want to make it lukewarm. I wanted to make it savory. And that's what I tried to do. And again, may have failed miserably, but there you go. So I hope as you go through your week, you will continue to endeavor always and always. Subscribe to the Truvian Letter if you haven't. Don't worry, they're not all sermons. <laughs> and, and if this is your first time to listen to the Jason Wright Show, this is actually the first episode, I think, where I've been this, uh, I, don't, I hope this wasn't didn't come across as preachy. If it did, oh well, my bad. But let me know what you think. 
If you have any questions, again, I don't have all the answers, but to me, of all the questions, if you were to ask me how to raise my VO2 max, if you were to ask me what's the, the, the best way to begin intermittent fasting, if you were to ask me the best thing to do to uh, manipulate my neurochemistry, if you were to ask me the best book I could read right now on self-improvement, life design, biohacking, if you were to ask me any question right now, all those that I just mentioned, all those categories, they absolutely pale in comparison to discussing what I talked about today. And so if you have questions, I may not have all the answers. I, I, in fact, I know I don't have all the answers, but I, I will gladly and, and openly partner with you in the journey to discover this idea of salvation and who Jesus is and who God is and, you know, all these different things. And I will do it with a loving and open heart without judgment, with no dogma, just hopefully, hopefully peace and lightly seasoned with salt. So that's it, folks. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I do hope you have an incredible week. Always endeavor to improve. Always and always. I'm Jason. This is Jason Wright Show. <laughs> this is the Jason Wright Show that all kind of ran together. I'm out.